0: Welcome to Wildfire Kingdom. I'm your host, Nathan Freeman. Um, this is the last series. This is the last part of the series on the Beatitudes. Uh, dealing with persecution. And I'm really excited about this. I know you're probably thinking it's weird. Why are you excited about persecution? I'll let you know why. As, as we go on, we'll, you'll see why. Um, but at first, it was really hard for me because uh, a lot of people think of persecution as just being weak or, or something like that and it's not at all the case um it's not it's not about being a doormat or anything like that um and as you go through it you'll you'll see but it also re- requires uh forgiveness and love in the face of persecution and that's that's really hard um and there's a time for persecution there's a time to avoid it um, but we don't avoid persecution by not sharing the gospel, uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. So first of all, let's, let's look at the verses, Matthew 5, um, verses 10 through 12. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, keyword, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. Well, why would you want to be persecuted? Why would you rejoice in persecution? That's that's the question. It seems odd. Um and that doesn't mean you go around persecuting yourself, that's just weird, first of all, and doesn't serve any kind of purpose whatsoever. Um, so first of all, let's talk about what this is not talking about. So this is talking about suffering persecution for Christ's sake, for living out the gospel and sharing the gospel. This is not about being punished for being foolish. Uh, if you do something foolish, persecution is a natural consequence and it's a godly thing um first peter 220 says for what credit is it when beaten for your faults you take it patiently but when you do good and suffer it if you take it patiently this is commendable uh before god so um if you get beaten for being stupid you deserve to be beaten and that's not persecution you're just You're just getting a whooping because you deserve to get a whooping. Um, So, if you break the law, there should be punishment. uh, And there must be punishment in order for justice to be done. Um, The reason Jesus died for us was to take the punishment for us. In in exchange, we become his bond servant, as as Paul and several other apostles identify themselves in uh, Romans one one, First Corinthians seven twenty two, Galatians one ten, Colossians four twelve, James 1, one 2 Peter one one, Jude one, and Revelation. Um, yeah, Revelation one one. So this is also not talking about. Being persecuted simply because you're weak and can't defend yourself. Um, in Luke 22, Jesus knows he's about to go to the cross. In verse 34, he tells Peter that he will deny Jesus three times. So Jesus knew what was coming. And look what it says in verse 35 and 36. Luke 22, 35 and 36. He said to them, I sent you without a purse and script and shoes, lacking. Like you anything? And they said, Nothing. Then he said to them, but now he that has a purse let him take it. And likewise his script. The script is like a leather pouch uh, for food and other provisions, um, could, could have been a backpack. Uh, anyway, so this last part says, And he that has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. So Jesus wasn't about being defenseless. So that wasn't what this was about. So he wanted them to be prepared to defend themselves in in certain certain circumstances. And by defending themselves, they are also defending each other. Conversely, by defending each other, they're also defending themselves. Um, Jesus never called on the disciples to walk alone. At the very least they went two by two. And Jesus was always about unity. So there's always that, that element of safety whenever possible. So I'll be asking about the verse in Matthew five thirty nine which says, Whoever smites you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I'm, I'm glad you asked. And I'll come back to that. Actually, we're going to cover a lot of scripture concerning persecution in this study. I think it's important to discern where that line is between enduring persecution and taking up your sword. Uh, Jesus calls us to do both. There are those who take either of these to the extreme while ignoring the other. There are also those who say that these two ideas contradict each other. And that's not, that's not what's happening here. So um, on, on one hand, we have David defeating Goliath for defying the armies of the Lord, and fighting many other battles, killing his 10,000, as they said in the song. And then there's this verse where Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek, give away a cloak, walk the extra mile, and so on. And you might be asking, did Jesus get soft? Well, we can find the answer to all these questions on the day of his crucifixion so let's start with Matthew 26 50 uh, 356 and this is this is in the Garden of Gethsemane where uh, Judas is about to betray him and turn him over to the officials so um, starting in verse 50 it says but Jesus said to him but why have you come then then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him, and suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And do you think that I cannot pray to my Father and will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as a guest robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Anyway, in verse 51, one of those who were with Jesus cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. In the next verse, Jesus says, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. I've seen this verse taken out of context, misquoted many times over the years, and let's let's put it into context. First of all, not everyone who picks up a sword dies by the sword. In that case, no one would ever pick up a sword. Um there are many skilled warriors who've taken up sword or gun or whatever weapon. I live to retire um, and die of old age. Uh, our nursing homes are full of old warriors who fought in the, the World Wars, uh, Korea, Vietnam, and other conflicts. He was speaking of this particular moment. This guy just cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest who was probably just standing idly by. Um, second, I'm guessing the wielder of this sword it was probably Peter, wasn't aiming for the ear. He wasn't thinking, I am so skilled. I'm going to cut this guy's ear off. More likely, he was flailing his sword like a... just wildly like a wild man, and just happened to cut, the, cut his ear off while trying to go for the head. <laughs> Um, and if you're unskilled with a weapon and you're surrounded by woman soldiers who are skilled with a weapon, then yes, you're going to die by the sword because you don't know what you're doing and they do. And a skilled sword, swordsman will always kill an unskilled swordsman. So that's number one. If you're going to have a weapon, be proficient with your weapon or die by the hand of someone who is proficient. Notice what Jesus says next in verse 53. He tells the disciples that he has more than 12 legions of angels at his disposal. who could rescue him at any time. A legion is three to 5,000 soldiers. At, at the time, when Jesus said this, Rome had 28 legions scattered around, around the Roman Empire augustus caesar had three legions assigned just to him for security details jesus had more than 12 legions assigned to him not counting all the other angels around the world of course one angel is worth a legion of roman soldiers so i mean he only needed one but So when Jesus said he had more than 12 legions at his command, that was four times more than Caesar and far more than a single legion assigned to the area they were in. So Jesus was kind of flexing a little bit, you know. I've got this. If I want out, I can get out. But I choose to fulfill the prophecies. So the the Romans and... and, um, they went on to to take his clothes, mock him, whip him, crucify him, beat him to where he was unrecognizable as a human. At any time, he could have stopped it. He could have called those legions of angels to rescue him. He could have reflected and said, don't you know who I am? I'll show you who I am. He could have had lit up the sky with every legion of angels that heaven could muster. Chose meekness again so a few weeks ago. Meekness is not weakness, it's strength under control. Jesus wasn't going to the cross because he couldn't get out of it, he was going to the cross because he chose to. So, let's look at another example in the New Testament um, Acts 22, verses 25 to 28. And um, some Romans have bound uh Paul with thongs or like leather straps, and they're about to beat him with a scourge. And Paul says to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who's a Roman and uncondemned? Which means, like, I've got a try yet, so you can't scourge me because I'm a Roman citizen. And the centurion heard that he Oh, snap. He went and told the commander, saying, Take care of what you do. This man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yeah. And the commander said, With a large sum, I obtained the citizenship. Paul said, But I was born a citizen. Or uh, King James says, I was born free. So they treated him very differently after that. So Paul stood up for himself and avoided at least one flogging from the Romans. Now, at Other times he was beaten and stoned and left for dead, imprisoned several times, and eventually executed. So when did he allow persecution and when did he avoid it? Well, as we read through the Gospel, Jesus escaped stoning a few times himself uh, until it was his time. So when do we endure persecution? And I guess the, the short answer is whenever it's God's will. Um, there are places in Acts where the Holy Spirit warns Paul and Peter not to go to this place or that place because they're going to get persecuted and it wasn't their time. Um, speaking of Peter, let's go back to 1 Peter 3, 8-17. through let's, let's see what it has to say. Uh, starting verse eight funny all of you be of one mind having compassion for one another love as brothers be tender-hearted be courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling but on the contrary blessing knowing that you are called to this that you may inherit a blessing for he who would love life and see good days let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the faith of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if, if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and I will be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Meekness being strength under power. And fear. You're not fearing people persecuting you, it's a fear of God. Having a good conscience, and then they defame you as evildoers. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Let's go back to First uh, Peter 4, 12 through 16. Starting in verse 12. Beloved. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So again, Peter is very um, specific in saying that persecution means that the Holy Spirit is on you. And that it's not persecution if you're being persecuted for doing something stupid. And this sounds hard, especially when you think about the pain that might come. um, Emotionally, physically, and even financially. Jesus reminds us later in the Sermon on the Mount not to worry about such things. It's found in Matthew 6. You've probably seen this text many times by itself. But I want you to think about the context of the whole sermon. He's talking about the kingdom of God, which includes holiness and evangelism. Starting in verse nineteen and reading to the end of the chapter, we can see that it's all one thought. It's not—it's not much random thoughts. It's—it's it's one thought, a lot of different parts and pieces to one puzzle. It's all connected. So starting in verse nineteen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, More more than um, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air; for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by wearing, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field; how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is is and tomorrow is torn into oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Notice that Jesus compares our, our life to grass, so here for a brief time and this cut down and burning the fire our souls maybe not but our, our bodies they, they, it withers away some of them, some, some of our bodies faster than others uh he also mentions putting our treasure in heaven putting our treasure in heaven is all about leading people to christ that, that's our treasure in a few verses he covers a lot of ground Verse 22 through 32 deal with holiness and where our focus should be. Then it concludes with verse 33 and 34, which strokes us back to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So evangelism and righteousness go hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. So we, we, we have a choice here. We can hold on to grass or see the kingdom of heaven. We can think of it like that, It makes sense to let go of the grass that is our lives our rights pale in comparison to the glory of god that also means letting go of bitterness that's part of the grass there won't be any bitterness in heaven so why hold on to it now when jesus was persecuted hanging on the cross he could have taken it personally could have had on held on to that bitterness and and what they were doing to him he could have given it given in to the last temptation that last temptation to think about his rights he had rights too he had a right to a fair trial he could have appealed to Caesar like Paul did and, and his sentencing for months even years like, like Paul did uh, he could have caught his angels down for those 12 legions He could have done any number of things, but instead he traded the grass for the kingdom. He wouldn't be the perfect sacrifice if he hadn't forgiven them. All that suffering would have been for nothing, and we would still be lost in our sin. I think he made a pretty good trade. Let's go back to the original verse in Matthew 5.11. Dispester you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who are before you. So, you could hold on to that fleeting grass you call your life, short as it is. And you might think, I might live to be 90 or 100, but in the, in the span of eternity, that's a tiny, tiny, tiny little speck. Insignificant, unless you have a legacy. And, the, and if, the, uh, if the legacy doesn't follow you to heaven, it's not a legacy. It doesn't matter what you invent. It doesn't matter what you build here on, on, on earth if it doesn't follow you to heaven so you could hold on so you could hold on to that feeding grass of your life or, or trade that dying grass for the reward of heaven being in the presence of god but not only that being in the league of the apostles and prophets of old so when you are persecuted for christ's sake You're in, you're in rare air, as they say. You're in an elite group. Jesus himself will stand in honor of you. You might be thinking, What's, what does he mean? Jesus will stand in honor of me? Let's go, let's go to Acts uh, 7, 55 and 56. Stephen, uh, as being stoned to death, if you if you look, if you read the whole story of Stephen, he was chosen because he was full of wisdom and grace. Those are prerequisites to persecution. You have to earn persecution. Isn't it's a privilege. Anyway, so as they're stoning him, he sees a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God, standing. Now there's been a lot of visions of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. That's why he should. But in this vision, this one's different, because Jesus is standing at the right hand of God, waiting for Jesus, waiting for Stephen to come into the kingdom. Imagine that Jesus standing in honor of you because you, you made the, the ultimate sacrifice. He, he, Stephen got it. Stephen traded the grass for the kingdom. So just imagine that the king of glory standing in honor of you and you get to be with him for eternity. So, what, what grass are you holding on to in exchange for the privilege of persecution? Whatever this world has to offer you. Your rights, what are, um, your right to be angry. Your right to things, the nice things of life, whatever you call it, this life. It's all grass. Let go of the grass. It's all going to burn up anyway. Trade the grass for the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for joining me on Wild Frog Kingdom.